Maybe uh, you might not know this, but we're just working through a little series in the evenings, which is entitled Living Life to the Full. You remember in John's Gospel, Jesus gives this wonderful kind of declaration. He says this, that the thief, the enemy, comes to steal, to kill and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it in all its fullness. In all its fullness. So I want us to pray. Just take a moment now as we uh, look at uh, just that one aspect of what it means to live life to the full and ask God's spirit to come and lead us. So Father, we pray in the name of Jesus, would you pour out your Holy Spirit upon us now? Please speak to us. Please capture our hearts. Please, Jesus, be the one to whom we look and fix our eyes upon. Amen. Well, before we come to the passage in Luke chapter 9, I I want us to watch a a clip from a film called The Incredibles. Has anyone seen The Incredibles? A favourite at the back there. Great. Okay, if you've not seen The Incredibles, you really should see it. It's a great movie. Um, It's incredible. Yes, Mark. It really is incredible. Excellent. Um, Almost like, you know, fiery, whatever they were. Anyway, um, there's just this clip. Let's set it up. At this point, the superheroes who live in the world, um, wouldn't it be great if they really did live in the world, uh, keep their powers a secret because of the danger of being sued. Uh, So let's watch this clip. It's about six minutes, but it's really fun. I appreciate you coming down here, Mrs. Parr. What's this about? Has Dash done something wrong? Uh, he's a disruptive influence, and he openly mocks me in front of the class. He says... Look, I know it's you. He puts thumbtacks on my stool. You saw him do this? Well, not really. No, actually not. Oh, then how do you know it was him? I hit a camera. Yeah, and this time I've got him. <laughs> see? You see? Well, you don't see it? He moves! Right there! Wait, wait! Right there! Right as I'm sitting down! I don't know. I don't know how he does it. He, but, but, but there's no tack on my stool before he moves, and after he moves, there's a tack. Coincidence? I think not! Uh, Bernie... Don't Bernie me! This little rat is guilty! You and your son can go now, Mrs. Parr. I'm sorry for the trouble. You're letting him go again? He's guilty! You can see it on his smug little face! Guilty! I say guilty! 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 No! Dash, this is the third time this year you've been sent to the office. We need to find a better outlet. A more constructive outlet. Maybe I could. He'd let me go out for sports. Honey, you know why we can't do that. I promise I'll slow up. I'll only be the best by a tiny bit. Dashiell Robert Parr, you are an incredibly competitive boy and a bit of a show-off. The last thing you need is temptation. You always say, do your best, but you don't really mean it. Why can't I do the best that I can do? Right now, honey, the world just wants us to fit in, and to fit in, we just gotta be like everybody else. But Dad always said our powers are nothing to be ashamed of. Our powers made us special. Everyone's special, Dash. Which is another way of saying no one is. Hey, Tony. 
looked at me. Making weird faces again. No, I'm not. You make weird faces, honey. You have to read at the table. Uh, yeah. Smaller bites, Dash. Yikes. Bob, could you help the carnivore cut his meat? Ow. Dash, you have something you want to tell your father about school? Uh, um, well, we dissected a frog. Dash got sent to the office again. Good, good. No, Bob, that's bad. What? Dash got sent to the office again. What? What for? Nothing. He put a tack on the teacher's chair during class. Nobody saw me. You could barely see it on the tape. They caught you on tape and you still got away with it? Whoa. You must have been booking. How fast do you think you were Bob, going? We are not encouraging this. No, I'm not encouraging. I'm just asking how fast you Honey! Right. First a car, now I gotta pay to fix a tape. A car? Oh, what happened to the car? Here. I'm getting a new plate. <clears throat> so, how about you, Vi? How was school? Nothing to report. You've hardly touched your food. I'm not hungry for meatloaf. Well, it is leftover night. We have steak, pasta. What are you hungry for? Tony Reidinger. Shut up. Well, you are. I said shut up, you little insect. Oh, she is. Do not shout at the table. Honey? Kids, listen to your mother. She'd eat if we were having Tony loaf. Superhero rights is missing. Gazer beam. Bob, it's time to engage. Do something. Don't just stand there. I need you to intervene. You want me to intervene? Okay, I'm intervening. I'm intervening. Let go of your brother. Hey, Speedo. Hey, Helen. Hey, Bob. Jack Jack. Ice of you to drop by. <laughs> Never heard that. Fifteen minutes later. Oh, I want to watch the rest of it. Um, it is a great movie. It is a great film. 
the Incredibles, they live this frustrated life because they're made not to hide their power away, not to, to be as the world wants them to be, to fit into the mould the world wants them to fit into. They're made to, to do what they're made to do. Mr. Incredible's made to rescue people. Um, I'm going to forget the names of them. Dash has got that incredible speed that he's, enabled to, he's, he's supposed to use. And it's not until later in the film we actually see when they're able to do what they're supposed to do, to live out the calling they have, to live out, uh, use the talents and the skills that the superhero powers that they've got, that we really see them come fully alive. They're not allowed to use the power they have. But the power they have is incredible. I want you to listen to this Bible verse. In Romans chapter 8, verse 11. The spirit, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is living in us. Forget the Incredibles. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead, the Bible says, lives in you and I. That is some incredible power. And if we just fit into the mold the world gives us, if we just blend in to the world around us, if we don't use the power that God longs to give to every Christian, we'll find our Christian life frustrated. We'll find ourselves more interested in running around in circles, uh, trying to hit our sister. Uh, I don't know, take the analogy where you will. But we'll find our Christian life frustrated. We'll find that we're not able to be the person that God's made us to be, to, to do the things that God has called us to do. And that's why tonight we're talking about what it means to be full of the power of the Spirit. Um, the Christian life is a life that's meant to be full of power, full of the power of God, full of the power of the Holy Spirit at work within us. Jesus said this to his disciples, that you'll receive power when the Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses. Just before he rose, he ascended to heaven, uh, he wanted to equip the disciples with power. He told them to wait uh, in the the upper room in Jerusalem for the power of God, the Holy Spirit to come. You know, if we look around the room here today, you know, we are all incredible. That's not, as Dash says, means that none of us are. We all are individual, unique and incredible, made in the image of God and given the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. That means the potential in this room just alone is huge. The potential to see God at work in us and through us is immense. We are, in one sense, as the song says, if God is for us, who could ever stop us? Because of his power living in us. Let's turn to Luke chapter 9. Just looking at two verses, the first two verses uh, this evening. When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So the first thing that happens is Jesus calls the disciples to himself. At this point, the disciples had watched Jesus for a long time. They'd been with him for a while. and They'd seen him do the most incredible things. They'd heard him teach, uh, you know, some of the most incredible bits of teaching and wisdom they'd ever heard, the Sermon on the Mount. They'd seen him do awesome things amongst them. Um, but their response, if you read through Luke's gospel up to that point, all we see the, the disciples doing is, is, or being is this. They're fearful, they're confused, and they're repentant. There's not a lot of excitement there. There's not a lot of kind of readiness to go. 
Um, at this point, I would wonder that the disciples would think our probation period hasn't even begun. We're still apprentices. We're still kind of trying to pick up from Jesus what we're supposed to do. Now, they would have known that Jesus wanted them to do the things that he did because that's what a disciple did. He followed, they followed their rabbi and imitated them. But they would have wondered at that point, I hope this probation period, this learning period lasts a little bit longer. But Jesus calls them together in like a huddle, if you imagine that kind of football huddle or whatever it might be, to give them a team talk. You've seen what I've been doing and you've heard what I've been teaching. Yes, Jesus, we've, we've seen what you've done. It's incredible. We've heard your teaching. It's life-changing. It's gone well, hasn't it, Jesus? He says, you know, we've, we've gone all around the, the lake. We've, we've been in all the synagogues and people are following us and it's, it's just really exciting. Yes, Jesus, now it's your turn. Silence. Now it's your turn, your turn to go, your turn to do what I did and to say what I've said. These 12 disciples are like, not yet. Can any of us relate to that? Not yet. I'm not quite good enough. I'm not quite holy enough. I've not been a Christian that long. I've got questions. I've got doubts. I think the disciples had all of those things. We see that from their reactions. Peter, his first contact with Jesus, he's in a boat with Jesus and, and, and the net is pulled in. As Peter's been fishing all night and called nothing, Jesus pulls the net in and all, there's all that catch of fish and all Peter's response is not wow, it's oh Lord, just leave me alone. I'm not worth this. I wonder if we feel like that sometimes when Jesus speaks to us. I'm not worth this. Maybe go with someone else. Go for those other people. They're holier, they're better than I am. The confusion that we see uh, as Jesus healed people. Um, when Jesus uh, cast out uh, a load of demons into a, a herd of pigs, the confusion and, and hurt and worry in the community, people didn't know what to respond. The disciples were confused. But Jesus still says, you go now and do what I did and say what I've said. Preach about the kingdom of God and heal the sick. And Jesus does the same with us. When he invites us to join him, he says, come and follow me. Come follow me. The invitation's there. Come and be with me. Be in community with me. Learn from me. And I'll make you fishers of people. I'll take the direction of your life and radically transform it. There's an invitation from Jesus, but there's also a challenge to go and do what he did. And each one of us here has that same purpose. The purpose is this, to reproduce the life of Jesus here in Ealing, in London, wherever we find ourselves. To try and do what Jesus did in our streets and communities, our workplaces and our schools, our universities and in our churches. We are to do what Jesus did. That's our calling. You know, I don't know if you've ever thought this question, what does God want me to do with the rest of my life? Is that a question that, it's not just a question that, that kind of young people ask, it's a question we all ask all the time. What does Jesus want me to do with my life? What does God have for me? Well, God has for you to preach the good news, to tell people about Jesus, and to demonstrate it by showing uh, that, what the kingdom of God is like. Once you get that bit going, the rest of it will fall into place. But if we're talking about doing what Jesus did, what actually did Jesus do? Well, Jesus firstly was totally focused on one thing. That's something called the kingdom of God. So Jesus taught about it and he demonstrated it. Demonstrated it. He showed what it was. So the kingdom of God is God's rule and reign. It's wherever God's will is done on earth as it is in heaven. It's not geographical like the United Kingdom. Uh, it's just wherever God is at work uh, in us and through us. Jesus said the kingdom of God is, is, is not here or there. It's among you. It's in you. Um, 
one day God's kingdom's going to come in its fullness so everybody, everywhere, will do everything that God wants. That his will will be done perfectly on earth as in heaven. So if you want to understand the kingdom of God, we look at what Jesus did. What was his ministry? So what Jesus has been doing up to this point in Luke's gospel, well, you know, one story, we come across the paralysed man, the paralysed man lowered through the roof. Uh, we heard um, about that a few weeks ago. Jesus, uh, Jesus forgave sins. That's part of what the kingdom of God is. It's, it's a place where the things we've done wrong, God forgives sins. That's the most important thing almost. Before he heals the paralysed man, he forgives sins, but he does heal him. And, you know, 25% of the gospels are about healing. Jesus healed the sick. All those who came to him, Jesus healed. With a touch, with a word, he healed them. Jesus raised the dead. That's quite dramatic, that's quite incredible. It's a dramatic sign of the kingdom of God that one day death is dead, love is won, Christ has conquered. That one day all of us will rise. It points to that, that the kingdom is coming. That Jesus came to defeat the enemy and the final enemy of death. Jesus demonstrated God's love for sinners and outcasts. And we see it time again in Luke's gospel. He, he, he included lepers. Those who were, you know, they were unclean, were unable to go to the temple, unable to go and be with their families, unable to see their friends. Everywhere they went, they had to yell and shout, stay away from me, I'm unclean. Can you imagine the stigma on a person who had to do that? Can you imagine how awful that would be? And Jesus healed them. Jesus was so pure, so clean. The power of the kingdom of God was so great. That not that them touching him would make him unclean, but him touching them would make them clean and included and able to worship and back with their families. Jesus came to demonstrate the love of God through the power of the Spirit wherever he went. That's what the kingdom of God is. He spent time with prostitutes. He healed the bleeding woman. Again, like a leper, she was always unclean, never able to worship. Never able to be with uh, those she loved. Never able to marry. Never able to have children. And just by one touch of Jesus, she was able to be healed. Jesus comes to transform lives. And we hear that in the story that Greg shared about his life earlier. Jesus comes to take our lives when we hit rock bottom and transform us and turn us around. That's the power of God at work. That's the kingdom of God. And that's why we want to pray for people. We want to pray for God to break into people's lives in healing. We want to see people set free from the things in life that hold them back. Addictions, thought patterns that are destructive, all those sorts of things. Because that's what Jesus did. Last, um, last spring we had uh, an Alpha course. Yesterday we had our Alpha a day away. and It was wonderful to see uh, lives change, people becoming Christians. Just wonderful. What a privilege to be able to pray for people to come to faith in Jesus. And I want to tell a story from the last Alpha course uh, in the spring. Uh, There was a guy who came just for two evenings. And he arrived on the evening that we were talking about healing. And before he came, I'd been praying because I was doing the talk that night. And I'd asked God for uh, some prophetic words. Just listening to God and saying, God, what do you want to do tonight? And God gave me a word that there'd be someone there with a mashed hand. I might have told this story before, but um, I knew everyone on the course and there was no one on the course with a mashed hand. So I was thinking, well, probably got this wrong, but I'll write it down anyway. And I arrive and, and, and one of the guests had brought uh, this couple with her uh, to the Alpha course that evening. And as this guy walked in, he had a cast all up his arm. And, and I thought, well, that's interesting. And I asked him what he'd done and he told me he'd mashed his hand uh, in a fight. Oh no, there we go. Okay, so 
Um, he'd, he'd injured his hand, mashed his hand. So I thought, oh, that's interesting. I showed him on the iPad, I'd written down this word, and he was, he was quite shocked. Um, and after I spoke, I was, we were praying for people who wanted healing. Um, something we always want to do because that's what Jesus did. And, and as I prayed for this guy, I asked him where the pain was, and he told me the pain was in his, his little finger. And it shoot, this, the pain would shoot up his arm. Those are the words he used. And I prayed a really simple prayer. And God healed him instantly. The pain went. The following week he came back, gave his life to Christ, and the cast was off his arm. That's a sign of the kingdom of God at work through a little prayer that I prayed. Because God loves to use just normal, ordinary people like you and I to pray for people, to see the sick healed. Because why? Because that's what Jesus did. And that's what Jesus tells us to do. To be available, to minister in power. And it comes from a place where we're filled with the power of the Spirit. Because actually, these hands can't do anything. I prayed for someone, the first person I ever uh, saw healed uh, when I prayed for them. And and basically, they had a problem with their back. And and I've been in a conversation with them for two hours, plucking up the courage to offer to pray. I'm really grateful to God that he gave me two hours to do that. Um, And at the end of the conversation, I said, would you like me to pray for you? Okay. So I walked over thinking, oh, at least I've done my bit. I just have to say the prayer. I put my hand on the person's back and I said, Lord, I thank you that you heal. And I thank you that you are the creator God. I don't know why I said that bit. I think I was nervous. And I just said, Lord, would you heal her back in the name of Jesus? Amen. And I went, how's your back? And she went, that kind of movement. thinking, this is going well. She said, do you know, it's nearly better. I said, nearly better. So I prayed again, and God totally healed her back like that. And then she said to me, she said, oh, you've got healing hands. I said, I don't wash my hands very often. They're not very healing. You know, I do wash my hands all the time, mum. And, you know, but they're not, it's not my hands. It's not me. It's Jesus through me. All I have to do is put my hand there, is be available. You know, ministry in seeing God do stuff is not about being extra special. It's not about being the anointed one. Jesus is the anointed one. We just have to show up. We just have to be available. We just have to be expectant that God wants to use you and me. Um, So Jesus gives them power and authority. He calls them to himself and gives them power and authority. He says, this is what you need to do what I've been doing. And that's what we need to do what he's been doing. If we want to do it in our own strength, we'll fail. We need to do it being filled with his spirit. And that brings power. That brings authority. The authority is in the name of Jesus. And we get the spirit by asking. It's really simple. We just say, God, I'd like to be filled with your spirit today, that you might use me to do the kingdom things that you did. I know that there's loads in my life I don't understand. There's loads of questions I have, but Jesus, I want you to use me. So we ask, and then we maintain that relationship with Jesus. Jesus said, you know, abide in me, and you'll bear much fruit. If we want to see Jesus do things through us, with our friends, with our family, we just abide in him. We minister with power and authority that comes from our ongoing relationship with him. That's what it's about. Jesus calls, called the disciples to, to himself. Jesus calls you and I to himself. He gives them power and authority. It's a gift. We don't earn it. We ask for it because our Father loves to give the Spirit to those who ask. Being filled with the power of the Spirit transforms lives. We see that in the life of Peter in the New Testament. A coward, fearful thoughtless, even after he's seen the risen Jesus, that's almost not quite enough to change him. It's being filled with the power of the Spirit 
that he preaches to thousands, leads the church, does what Jesus called him to do. Because the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead was in him. And the same spirit that was in him is in you and me. The power of God to change our lives and to change the world around us. So Jesus called them to himself, gave them power and authority, and then he sent them out. You know, we're here this evening that we might go and be a blessing to others. Anything that God gives us is to be given away. When we're filled with the Spirit, it's for a purpose. The purpose is that we might do the things that Jesus did. Heal the sick, forgive sinners, include uh, those who feel excluded, to demonstrate the love of God wherever we might be. And it is just really simple. It genuinely is about being available. Tomorrow morning, waking up and saying, God, here's a new day today. I'd love to do some of the things that you did in showing love to every person I meet. Lord, if there's anyone today you'd like me to pray for, Lord, give me the courage. I'd love to step out and just pray. I'm not responsible for what happens, but I'm just available for you to use me. I promise you, I promise you, praying that prayer will change other people's lives. I promise you, being available means that God will use you. I guarantee it. It never fails because God just wants us. He doesn't want us to pretend that we're sorted. He just wants us as we are. Yeah, of course, God is going to work in us as he fills us with his spirit. Part of that is that the fruit of the spirit grow within us. Our characters are changed. But he just wants us that he might use us where we are. Where are you tomorrow? Who are you with tomorrow? Might it be that God wants to break into the people's lives that you're with through you? I'd love to suggest that it is. That's what God wants to do. And we just allow the Spirit to lead us. We just pray, God, fill me with the power of your Spirit. And as we proclaim good news filled with the Spirit, people respond. They really do. If we think it's about us and our clever words, we'll be really disappointed because it's when we're filled with the Spirit and we just tell our story, lives are changed. It's when we pray for people filled with the Spirit, people get healed. Lives are transformed, particularly as we pray outside of the church. God loves to demonstrate his compassion and to point people to himself through healing others. Seeing the captives and the outcasts uh, set free physically and spiritually. And it begins with us. Ezekiel has this picture, and I finish with this, of the river of God flowing from the temple. And, you know, the further it gets from the temple, the deeper it gets. I think we want to find the presence of God. We want to get as far out in the world as we can. Jesus said, you're the salt of the earth. The salt is meant to stop things from going bad, but it's found in the dirtiest places. Where we go, Jesus will use us, even if that place is filthy, even if it's deep and dark, because the kingdom of God is coming. And friends, we're to be kingdom people who do what Jesus did with the power of the Spirit within us. Why don't we stand together?